This is a sermon podcast from Ashland First United Methodist Church in Ashland, Oregon. Visit us online at ashlandmethodist.org for more sermons like this, church information, and how to get involved. Ashland Methodist, a community of open hearts, open minds, and open doors. So this is another parable, and so we are continuing our trip through parables as we take a look at what they mean when we start talking about how we care for our kingdom of God, and this is a very short story. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that someone hid in a field, which someone found and covered up, full of joy. The finder sold everything and bought that field. So who is Jesus talking to? Jesus is talking to the folks on the shorelines of the Sea of Galilee, the folks the Bible calls oxlos in the Greek, riffraff, people we would look down on, people who aren't as good. This is the masterless, the shiftless, the unclean, the unemployed, the hungry, with kids in tow. Yet, As I sit here listening to this parable and I open my heart to listen to Jesus tell this story, one story after another story in this context, these little stories, these little parables lining up. As Jesus climbs into the boat and lifts his voice so that his voice can carry over the crying babies so that the people can lean in and listen to him. He tells this parable not just to them, but about them. They are the treasure in the field. They are the kingdom of God. And God, Jesus, will give everything in joy of finding them. Because in them is the restored hope of a restored faith, a restored justice, a restored peace, and a restored Israel. Matthew draws us so easily in, and I love this sketch because it seems like a storybook even as we read it. We're so separated from the shores of the Sea of Galilee ourselves that we can so easily idealize this scene, right? Look at the colors. They're so sentimental and appealing, those blues and yellows. Everything is so clean, as if Jesus and the disciples and the crowds had washing machines and valets to see that everything is stain-free and lightly pressed. I mean, come on, this is wool and linen, right? Anybody see a nicely fresh piece of, lin- pr- piece of linen? How long does it last before that linen is a completely scrunched and messed up? And the wool would felt, and it would clump, and it would get wet near the shore, and it would smell like fish. Fish, salt, poop, sweat. And to Jesus, these are the citizens of the kingdom. How much good news is that? (laughs) How much good news is that? They are the treasure in the field. This is what the interruption of the kingdom smells like and it's not a Hallmark card. So this 
parable also appears in the, the Gospel of Thomas, which is a, a book that shares many of the same stories as Matthew, Mark, and Luke. In the Gospel of Thomas, this is how this story sounds. Jesus said, the kingdom is like a man who had a treasure hidden in his field without knowing it. And after he died, he left the field to his son. And the son knew nothing about the treasure. He accepted the field and he sold it. And the man who bought it came, and while he was plowing, found the treasure and began to lend money at interest to whomever he wished. Different take on it, right? So if these people are the treasure, and somebody finds them and claims them and begins lending them out at interest, what does that look like? Slavery, right? I heard that. Weird, right? Just when you start thinking about it one way, the Lord pops up to dismay and surprise us. It's not such a storybook story after all. The treasure that was in the land was unappreciated and ill-used. It had belonged once to an ancestral family, a village family handed down. That land sustained that family and the whole village. All together, people worked together to provide and love and care for each other, to love their neighbor as themselves. And this disruption of the Roman Empire, this disruption of money comes in and it throws people into poverty. And there are people in this crowd whose cousins sold their land and they had nothing left. There are people in this crowd who are forced to work on land that was once theirs for someone else's gain, while the families are destroyed and fall apart. So, this was just the truth of the time of change in the time of Jesus. But we can understand this, too, because we see that problem arise in our own communities and in our own world. We are like sometimes the man who found the treasure in the field, and instead of making well-being or making good community or making food to sustain the table, we use it to make money, which isn't what Jesus calls us to do. Tricky, right? Because... He is promising them a better life, a money that, a life that will require resources, and at the same time asking those of us who have too much to recognize our own peril in creating communities where there is too much and not enough at the same time. So, ancient Judeans had a different understanding of God's gifts and largesse. So every cow could have a calf. The calf sustained the family, right? Because you need enough. You need to be able to feed your kids. You need to be able to make sure your kids have a future, hold on to your land, good husbandry, the whole thing. So that first cow, totally God's gift to you and your family. Guess what? If your cow has twins, what is that? In our Western mind, we think, wow, we got something extra for us. Right? We think how, oh, I'm going to invest that and I'm going to make myself a nest egg or I'm going to do something. I'm going I'm to take a trip to New York City. I, I got a boon. I got an extra cow. In, in Jesus' time, that was not your cow. That was a gift from God. You are the honored recipient of this gift. Your cow made two baby calves. Two 
one to sustain your family and one in praise of God. And you shared it with the whole village. You fattened it. You ate it together. And you celebrated God's goodwill. And what you got from that was the, the what is it? Um, two children have a dare and, and one says, well, what do you give me if I do it? And the other one says, respect. It's, there's a tremendous amount of joy and honor to get to be the one who shares the extra calf. To recognize that God has gifted you or gifted me or gifted us and all of us have extra calves in our lives. It doesn't have to be a money thing. It can be a time thing. It can be a skills thing. Think about Jen's music gift. Wow, it's like a million little calves running around. Right? <laughs> and, and so trying to see this as God might see it, trying to see it as a community might see it becomes a really important thing. So stewardship is a really big word. And as we start talking about money, um, I once left a church service because the pastor was talking about money and I got my feelings really hurt because I didn't have a lot to give. And it felt like I was being judged that I hadn't given enough. In fact, I stayed out of church for years because I felt like it was kind of about money and I didn't have any to offer. And you know what the church missed out on? My time, my love, my care, my children. I don't want us to miss out on that in our church. I want us to bring what we have, what God has gifted us with. And that is true stewardship. And that is what I'm inviting us into. Yes, we have a budget shortfall. So yes, resources are important. But our gifts that we are given are the resources God uses to build the community of God. All right. Now, our stewardship is, our theme is um, the better thing is life itself? No, okay, now I've already messed it up. The better gift is life itself. And um, <laughs> I'm not going to torture you. That comes from Sirach 4018, and I've retranslated it out of the Greek because of the horrible translation that our Bibles give us, and it's about a three-paragraph translation, and Darlene Wheeler can attest to that because I sent it to her. It's an experience, though. It's not a thing to be mentally. So I'm going to read us a story because I want us to talk about what life really is and what does it really mean that the better gift is life itself. This seems to be slow for some reason. Maybe I got to... It's working through the hub. I have this new hub I'm all excited about, but maybe, maybe there's... So this is the book that I'm reading from, Life... Life begins small. Even for elephants. Then it grows. Beneath the sun and the moon, life grows. Ask any animal on earth, what do you love about life? The hawk will say, sky. The camel will say, sand. The snake will say, grass.
life is not always easy. There will probably be a stretch of wilderness now and then. But wilderness eventually ends. And there will always be a new road to take. And remember this. In every corner of the world, there is something to love and something to protect. And if one day it seems nothing beautiful will ever come your way again, trust the rabbit in the field and the deer who crosses your path. Trust the wolf and the wild geese who find their way back home. All these things know something about life, that everything is changing, and it is worth waking up in the morning to see what might happen. Because life begins small and grows Praise be to God.